0: Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back to the econ Dev Show. I'm very excited today to have as our guest the head of the u s. Economic Development Administration, Alejandra Castillo. She is the United States Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development. Ms. Castillo, welcome to the show.
1: I'm so excited to be with you uh, today, as well as I want to thank you for creating this space where individuals can talk about economic development, such a important uh, conversation, discussion um, that we must have, not just at, at, at the community level, but also at the national level. So thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, and thank you for coming on. Having a national representative, I think brings a whole unique perspective to the show one of the first questions I'd like to ask you, and that I always ask our guests is how they got into economic development. It seems that most economic developers I talked to sort of fell into the profession. They didn't, you know, necessarily go to school for it. They didn't necessarily dream about it as a child. They just sort of fell into it. Like I said, how did you end up in economic development?
1: So, um, I will tell you, I did dream about it as a child. Um, I grew up in New York City in the 70s, when the city was in its worst shape. Um, my father was a business owner in the Bronx, um, uh, and he would commute from Queens to the Bronx. And I, I saw the contrast. Um, and I was always puzzled as, as a kid. Um, one, recognizing both the formal economy of New York City and the informal economy of New York City. Sure. Uh, also recognizing the disparities, you know, some communities had a lot of resources, others didn't. And always wondering like, what are the forces that make all of this happen? And uh, and my my journey has been a very secure, circuitous journey. So it hasn't been a, a straight line to economic development, but I come to this position with a lot of lived experiences, right? I worked everything from, um, uh, drug control policy, drug interdiction, money laundering issues. Um, I worked in areas of, you know, uh, Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. So I had kind of that a uh, bent on the international side of, of things um, sure. with a with a flavor on on legal. But then I also bring to this um, a sense of community, which, as you know, economic development is about communities. Um, And not only did I work at the commerce department before under the Obama administration, um, working with minority owned companies, um, I also uh, led the YWCA USA, which is the oldest women's organization. And having 204 associations all across the country gave you a bit of a finger on the pulse of how communities communities tick. But we should always recognize that um, the economic fabric Um, both from an infrastructure perspective, as well as from a social perspective are very intertwined and they really determine how communities flourish or how communities die. So that is the passion that I bring to this position, especially at this moment in time, as you know, not only the pandemic, but we're seeing a transformation in terms of how communities are working in areas of technology and innovation. And I hope that you and I will talk about this. But the people factor—how are we preparing our workforce for the jobs of today, but more importantly, for the jobs of the future? So all of those elements is what makes uh, economic development so exciting and interesting. Is that it's never it's never linear, uh, and it and you must always take into account so many different variables if you really want to create an ecosystem that's going to flourish. So. Uh, that's kind of my journey in a nutshell and, um, and we'll talk a little bit about commerce as well, if you don't mind, uh, later sure. on.
0: Of course. Um, I just want to say it, it is interesting, this perspective that you bring, it's very similar, I think, to economic developers all over the country. They all recognize the the collaborative community aspect involved in economic development. The, the fact that it's not a straight line, the fact that success doesn't come easy, um,
1: yeah it's it's very
0: interesting that you at the national level I never would have imagined that you had exactly the same perspective as so many of our local economic developers
1: And if I may add it's not just looking at it in isolation one community plus another community plus right. another community at the national level then we also have to think about how do all these communities weave together right when when we talk about supply chain and building you know manufacturing plants and and um luring investors into our communities to create those jobs and 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 um and bring more economic vitality we have we have to figure out how do we make sure that we're talking about regional economic development right um so that it doesn't become a zero sum game where one right. community gets a positive and then the neighboring community loses it so it is a, a bit it has another layer of both community level understanding? And then how do this all come together to ensure that our country continues to be um, strong in terms of its economic competitiveness?
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about the um, Economic Development Administration. So for our listeners that aren't really familiar with it, only know of it as um, maybe you're in project announcements occasionally when you attend, or uh, the Build Back Better grant, or, or something like that. What really is the EDA, and what does it do? And what's its mission?
1: Sure. So I'm going to take a step back and just remind folks that EDA is one of 13 different bureaus within the department, the U.S. Department of Commerce. Okay. I'm just going to name a few because I want folks to understand both what commerce is, as well as how does EDA fit in all of this. So the U.S. Department of Commerce is also the Census Bureau. And, you know, we, we cite the Census Bureau when we talk about demographics, changing demographics, where our population's moving. Commerce is also NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. So we're, when we're talking about you know, hurricanes and tornadoes, natural disasters, that's NOAA, but NOAA is also about you know, tides and ports and how, how do we uh, you know, work uh, in the shipping and, and uh, industry, not just maritime, but also air. Commerce is also U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So when we want to encourage our inventors, we want to also make sure that they're protecting their intellectual property. Uh, Commerce is also International Trade Administration. So how do we export our goods and services, knowing that 96% of the world's consumers live outside of the US? Um, so, and, and let me mention two more, National Telecommunication and Information Agency, NTIA. So as, we, as the pandemic showed us, broadband. How do we make sure that not only do we have broadband that is, has the requisite speed, but that it's accessible and affordable. How do we make sure we have broadband in our rural areas? And then MBDA, um, Minority Business Development Agency, which I led during the Obama years, and now I lead EDA. And you ask me, what's the mission of EDA? Well, the mission of EDA is to really uh, spearhead um, the, the, not only the conversation of economic development, but also to uh, put in action economic development across the country. And how do we do that? We do that through various grants, various various in investments that we make. And those are investments in everything from water, waste treatment, uh, uh, pipes, we do broadband. We do think about all of the elements that you need in a community to create an ecosystem that can help businesses grow and thrive. Um, so EDA has been called to do a lot of different things, but most recently, I'll tell you, under the American Rescue Plan, you mentioned the Build Back Better regional challenge, under the American Rescue Plan, EDA received $3 billion, and we were tasked not only with the trust of taxpayers, but to really put in motion these dollars to jumpstart the economy, um, particularly during this pandemic. And we did six different grants. I'm only going to highlight, um, uh, three of them. One was the build back better regional challenge, which was a billion dollar, uh, grant challenge. Um, and we, you know, that was incredible uh, because basically we told communities, we're not going to tell you what to do. You tell us what you need and what you believe is going to really jumpstart your community. So we got 529 different applications we need we then dwindle it down to 60 finalists which is where we are now and then we'll make uh, another another round of decisions and those the the ones who will end um, in the final round will receive up to 100 million dollars for their respective communities now i'll tell you this is this these this is government dollars but our hope is that that's only the first tranche of dollars that that 100 million dollars will bring in another hundred million dollars from the private sector, who knows another hundred million dollars from philanthropy, and really create um, a focus in a particular industry. Um, And then the other one is the good jobs challenge. And again, you'll hear me talk about it, and I know you know this very well too, uh, workforce development. How do we solve the challenges of workforce development? How do we help uh, programs not just have that uh, the core of the workforce development program would also wrap around services that will lead to a job. And then finally, I'll speak about the indigenous community challenge, which, um, we allocated hundred million dollars to indigenous communities across the country. Um, and I, I will say one last one, the travel and tourism and outdoor activities, because travel and tourism was so impacted by the pandemic, uh, $750 million went to travel, tourism and outdoor activities. So, Again, this is what the American Rescue Plan did, and it was very focused on really going deep into those areas of the economy that were very badly hit by the pandemic, and then give it that that push so that communities can thrive. So forgive me for the long-winded answer, but it's just there's a lot to talk about.
0: There, There is so much to talk about, and since you brought up the build back better regional challenge and i know so many communities applied for that can you give us some examples of projects that sort of made it to the next cut
1: sure so um so not only did we uh, did we share with the with the rest of the country all 529 applications we wanted to have transparency we also shared the 60 finalists of round 1 and you can you can all take a look at the at the 60 finalists of round one on our on our website on eda.gov. Here's what I'll tell you. Um, first of all, really extraordinary applications. And part of the secret sauce of these applications and the way this grant was designed was collaboration and partnership. So it was not just the university putting in a proposal and uh, you know the local economic development council putting in a proposal, what we really, embedded into the into the uh, grant um, requirement was that all of these different entities had to work together in order to really strengthen the application. And that's exactly what we saw. We saw entities that in the past would have been at odds with each other. They came to the table and they said, look, there's a lot at stake here. Let's work together. So that's one positive. The second positive, Is that we saw truly regional economic development. We saw, uh, we left the definition of regional to the applicant. So, regional could have been, you know, adjacent counties, could have been adjacent states or cities. However, you wanted to describe that geographical space, we left that up to the applicants. And you really saw that even when you were in different states, that geographical area had so many complementary aspects to it that they recognize that those boundaries, those state or city boundaries were truly artificial because economic development, just it's, it's, it's really place-based. And then the other thing that we saw was a lot of great uh, new areas of opportunities, life sciences, um, aerospace and drones, looking at um, you know, areas of uh, uh, elements of resiliency, a lot of manufacturing, um, advanced manufacturing. So we saw uh, ideas that were flourishing from different communities, not based on what the government was telling you to do, but based on what you understood your communities to have in terms of assets, ideas, infrastructure, talent, workforce. Um, so that Build Back Better uh, challenge unveiled, not only that we need more of it, because you know, 490 plus didn't make it, right to the first round so it is very uh, understood that we need more of that but also that the ones that are moving forward are going to be truly remarkable for their for their economic development shoots
0: sure it is interesting the way you allowed the communities to define their own regions because so often economic development sort of stops at the city um, limits or the county line or the state border. And like you said, those are artificial. And do you feel like you maybe helped to incentivize this idea of creating this you know, place-based economic development sort of idea and, and pushing it forward so that we're not thinking about just who's right here, but we're also thinking about what's around us?
1: Absolutely. And I think that now more than ever, as we think about issues of supply chain, we have to think about how does this all flow? I'm a a visual learner, and I'm sure many of of your listeners are too. But when you put it on the map and you start looking at the nodes of production and where are we making these investments, and you then start playing it out, 10, 15 years down the road. you also put you know overlap if you will the infrastructure bill, which is massive. And you start to think about what is the future of industry Where, what are the, the areas and the products that we're going to be in demand? I think we're at the cusp of really being the architects of that next of that next uh, phase of economic growth for the. US because we're being so intentional with investments. Um, and we call them investments, even though it, as I mentioned at the onset, we are the custodians of taxpayer dollars. But that trust is about how do we make those dollars have a 10X, a 20X growth um, so that communities can really flourish. Is it a magic wand? Absolutely not. Will it happen tomorrow? Possibly not, but it is on its way. And I think EDA plays a critical role in bringing those stakeholders and really being the thought leaders of not only regional and cluster economic development, but of putting it in action.
0: Sure. You, you mentioned supply chains and and we're all suffering uh, the effects of broken supply chains left and right. What is EDA doing, I guess, specifically to help fix the supply chains?
1: So um, you may know that within a month or so of President Biden taking office, you know, he put together a supply chain task force remember at the onset of this conversation i told you all of the different well right many of, them. of the bureau many. of the bureaus of commerce commerce is really whether it's eda looking at uh, communities manufacturing or in the national institute of standards and technology looking at advanced manufacturing whether it's ita looking at our, our international trade we really have a lot of the levers, so to speak, to help um, either see where the where where the uh, supply chain is is either broken or whether it needs to be um, strengthened. And one of the takeaways I will tell you at this moment in time is recognizing how do we um, you know cons- reconsider what air- what elements of the supply chain should we be investing more in. Um, how do we rely on our economic and international trading partners? Um, how do we think about um, other sources of, of um, making the supply chain robust? Um, conversations not only with um, uh, across the federal government, but also with the private sector. So, what is Commerce doing? We're we're not just in conversation, but we're actually putting in motion uh, strengthening the supply chain. You know, the pandemic was a, a big took a big toll on supply chain. We had some issues also in the shipping industry that you probably saw on the uh, Suez Canal, but then there's been other other areas that have really woken us up in terms of how do we strengthen our supply chain and, and what are the areas, um, the future areas? Again, looking at that arc of the future uh, that we need to play a bigger role in and bring in more actors, more businesses, more uh, manufacturers, um, as well as workforce development.
0: And I guess that's the next big one. Workforce development is such a huge challenge in economic development now. Uh, Prior to the pandemic, unemployment was very low across the country, and then the number of people that left the workforce either because of the Great Recession, because of health reasons, because they were baby boomers and they reached retirement age, this is now a challenge everywhere. In your opinion, how do you view worker training and workforce development? What's its role in economic development, and what role does EDA play in that?
1: Um, so, first of all, a huge workforce development is a, is a huge area of discussion and conversation. Um, there. Are, other federal agencies, whether it's the Department of Labor, which is, has played a very important role in workforce development, or the Department of Education, um, we, uh, our secretary, Secretary Gina Raimondo, strongly believes that commerce has a very important role to play because we're in constant conversation with employers, we're in constant conversation with the private sector. We are seeing what the landscape looks like in terms of unfilled um, uh, jobs. Um, and what we're seeing is that we need to make sure not only that we are upskilling our workers, but we're also exposing them to what are those jobs of the future. And in that in that regard, um, it's that conversation and that partnership. So let me go back to the American Rescue Plan. In the American Rescue Plan, we actually designed a workforce development uh, uh, grant. It was very unique. Um, in many ways, and I'll tell you how. First of all, we dedicated half a billion dollars. So $500 million is dedicated to this grant. And and it just closed um, a few weeks ago. We received 506 applications. But again, just like the Build Back Better, the secret sauce here was the partnership. So we called on community colleges, technical colleges, universities, employers, unions, um, to to come to the table and work together and figure out in our region what is the workforce need. The other element that we included into this grant, which is not usually included, were wraparound services. So, if we want to get more women into the work into the workforce, and we want to really train them and upskill them, then we need to be attentive that they may need childcare. Um, if we if we have uh, if we want to include more people of color. We wanna make sure that not only are they going through the process of the, of, the, of, the, of the program, but that it's going to lead to a high paying job. So the employer commitment to this grant was essential. And we're going through that review right now, but I'm giving you a perspective that while there are other programs out there, we really look, took, took a really hard look at what are the elements that are usually not included in a workforce development program? And we t- we we learned a lot, and we included it into the grant. So we're we're very excited and very succe- and very um hopeful that not only will this change how we do workforce development, but more importantly, that it'll lead to very good paying jobs.
0: That's excellent. You really do have a grasp on all of the essential elements of economic development: the the, the supply chain, the workforce challenges. Um. And knowing that the EDA does infrastructure, I mean, that's what you exist to do. let us I guess we should talk about that a little bit. Is there a new role for the EDA in infrastructure in, as far as some of the crumbling infrastructure that we have in the United States?
1: So let me take that question, if I may, with a different angle because I want to okay. introduce another element that EDA sure. does. So we do a lot of work in natural disaster. Um, And that has also been a a very important role for EDA. So we get called in when a natural disaster hits, whether it's a hurricane, tornadoes, um, you know, fires, mudslides. And we go in, once FEMA has activated us, just a little procedural issues. Once FEMA has activated us, we as EDA go in and really start looking at, okay, how do we rebuild? What's the economic recovery plan? For the impacted region, and what that has also taught us is that we're not only rebuilding what existed; we are rebuilding with resiliency in mind. And to to, if I can pivot back to your question, um, this that's where the infrastructure bill comes in. How are we going to not only build, but actually build with an eye towards resiliency, an eye towards sustainability? Um, and that's, that's what it's exciting right now because we are witnessing that climate change is not or, or, or um, um, is not something in the future, it's, it's happening right now. And we wanna make sure that we are putting those investments in a way that is actually going to help um, not only uh, make our community stronger, but move our economy in a more sustainable way. So there's a lot in that space that we're doing and it's exciting work. Um, communities that are impacted by natural disasters, you know, the devastation just breaks your heart in so many ways. And as public servants, that's what we do. We we uh, we go in there and and we rebuild uh, better, um, and and in a way that's sustainable.
0: The other issue I think that has recently come to prominence in economic development is the International Economic Development Council. That's our professional development organization, they recently released an Equitable Economic Development Playbook. And it's designed to help local EDOs implement diversity, equity, and inclusion practices in local economic development in their own communities. How does that factor into the EDA? Because I'd imagine that's a big part as well.
1: So, um, first of all, uh, I'm glad you're you are affiliated with IEDC. It's a, it's a great organization. And you have now a, a new president with uh, Nathan Oli. Um, so uh, we work very closely with them and a key stakeholder in in the economic development um, conversation and I'll come back to it in a minute um, but let me just say when we when we're talking about equity, President Biden made that core across the board. and what does it mean you know equity can mean so many different things you know i'm I'm of Hispanic background and could mean very different things for me, but here's what I'll tell you. For EDA, we want to make sure that we're not only um, uh, providing equity, but we're being inclusive. And it takes a very broad, broad definition from the perspective of not only are we looking at um, distressed communities, we're looking at communities of color. We're looking at uh, rural, urban, suburban um, areas. Um, we want to make sure that as we think about our responsibility with, with um, the investments that we make that we're making sure that the country is developing and and growing in a more equitable way. So it's not just our coasts that are looking at growth, but that we are actually um, thinking about it in a a much broader way. Um, To the same extent, I'll say that when we talk about technology and innovation, um, new legislation is, is working its way through Congress, pending approval, but there's a conversation about tech hubs. And how do we um, institute tech hubs so that we can democratize technology innovation so it just doesn't live in Silicon Valley and, and Atlanta mm-hmm. and New York, but that we can actually look at technology innovation in agriculture, technology innovation in in um, aerospace in, in, in the middle of our country. So there's a lot of discussions about equity and applications about equity that is really driving how we're making these investments. And it's really to make sure that um, you know, would provide opportunities uh, for growth to communities all across the country.
0: That's excellent. That is a, that's a perspective that I hadn't thought of. And thank you for bringing that to my mind. I hadn't played that all out in my head, but that's excellent. We talked about this a little bit before, but collaboration is so important in economic development. It is all about working together. We see that at the local level, we work together as regions. We see that when we work with our states, does your office operate the same way? Who do you collaborate with?
1: So we collaborate with uh, economic development districts all across the country, over 400 plus, as well as many of the associations and organizations, whether it's NATO or NACO or IEDC, I mean, uh, uh, I jokingly say kind of the alphabet soup of acronyms, but these are all associations that are representing individuals on the ground, right? The, The beauty of economic development is you have to have your ear very close to the ground and you have to listen to what community, but you also have to have an opportunity to see and witness their assets. And I believe commu- all communities have assets in one shape or another, whether it's human assets or natural assets, or, or just an, an ability to come to you, to, to bring all of the positive um, elements to the table. So we collaborate uh, on, at the ground level with uh, EDDs and, and so many different stakeholders. At the city level, with mayors and state legisl and uh, city councils. At the state level, with you know state legislators and governors. At the federal level, with our members of Congress, and if I could, you know, bring a little bit of uh, context, um, and a bit of Washington jargon, but bear with me. Sure. Because we're going right now through a, what's called a reauthorization, so Congress has to reauthorize EDA. For it to exist and for it to have the ability to do, to be authorized to do what it, what our mission is, we haven't read that in 17 years. So a lot of our authorizing language dates back to 2004. These are the, these are antiquated tools and perspectives. So we are, we want to bring it to the 20, uh, to 2022 and be able to have those tools. But it is thanks to our stakeholders, to our partners that we're driving this conversation on the Hill to members of Congress to kind of sound the alarm and tell them why is this important? Why does it matter in their district? So that's the beauty of the collaboration. We're all in this together. And when we find uh, impediments or roadblocks, we come together because at the end of the day, what moves us is really making, you know, creating transformational change in communities across the country. So. That just gives you an example of, of the many stakeholders that we we, um, we work with.
0: And it's not a zero-sum game. We're trying to, you're working so hard to make sure that when one community benefits, all communities benefit because of that. And so that makes it's sense. What so, we said at,
1: it's what sorry. we said at the very beginning, you know, economic development doesn't have borders. You know, if if we're all doing well, um, it, it'll it'll show. And it's transformational in so many different ways. And there's a, A multiplier effect or spillover effect, um, which is is so important. And our goal is to make sure that that multiplier effect grows exponentially.
0: Yes, thank you for that. I guess finally, let's look at local communities. I've heard from some that they have uh, difficulty, they don't think that they have the capacity to deal with the various EDA grants, or they don't really know what it is that they need. And what would your advice be or what kind of assistance can you give them?
1: It's a great question. And, and it's a question that ties back to our conversation on equity. Right. If you want to have a different pool of applicants and you want to have equity, um, we also have to recognize that we need to meet communities where they're at and the issue of capacity building. Um, is something that you just don't get overnight. That you have to work with individuals and communities all along the path. The American Rescue Plan gave us that opportunity. It was it was a, a three billion dollars, which is very different from what we usually get, which is three hundred million dollars. So this was in you know in terms of scale, uh, really transformational for EDA. But it also helped us to reach further than than our than the uh, usual applicants that we have and the recognition that we have to work very closely with them. So in addition to all that we do, we also provide technical assistance. So let me, let me play it out a bit. If I were a new applicant um, trying to get an EDA grant, first of all, reach out to the, the regional offices. So in Texas, you would probably be working with George Ayala out of Austin. Uh, because we've divided up the country into six regional offices. So, you know, if if I'm an applicant in Texas, in Galveston, I would be reaching out to George Ayala. Secondly is look at the different types of grants that we have. And then third is work with your EDDs, with your economic development districts, but also work with our staff to make sure that not only can you present uh, a comprehensive plan, um, but that you also have buy-in. So it's a very different story when the mayor goes in and says, oh, I want ADA grant for X, Y, or Z versus when a mayor goes in with an employer, a workforce development or technical assistance or university, we truly value the coalition because that's how economic development is done and that's what is going to be successful. So uh, again, the capacity building is definitely something that we are very aware of and we're trying to tackle with many webinars, technical assistance and support, as well as convening to um, virtual convenings, I should say, to make sure that folks understand what are the elements to a successful to grant.
0: Thank you, that was incredibly helpful. And not just for me, but I, I'm assuming for many of our listeners, having that spelled out for them is, is gonna clarify this entire process and, and just make it all so much easier. I've asked you a number of questions. Are there any priorities or any points that you really want to make that I didn't ask you about?
1: So one of the things I would say is, look, um, at the end of the day, when we talk about economic development, it's not a one size fits all. It's really something that has to be customized to communities. We are encouraging folks to think about regional economic development because it's in that partnership. It's It's in the collaboration and in the partnership where, as I say, the secret sauce of economic development actually happens. And when we think about EDA, you know, think about us as one of many partners in the federal government that we work with. You know, we also work with USDA, Rural um, Economic Development Administration. We work with the Department of Energy. EDA does uh, an excellent work, in my opinion, of economic development integration, being able to work with the different players. As I mentioned at the onset, um, one of our sister agencies, that commerce, NTIA, is going to deploy $48 billion in broadband. We need to make sure that we're working closely with NTIA so that those areas that are called, quote unquote, the last mile, no longer are the last mile. So that both broadband can actually, you know, not only reach uh, businesses and students and, and, and hospitals, but can actually be that catalytic element to economic development. So I would love to leave your listeners with the understanding that uh, economic development is is comprehensive. It has to be holistic. Everyone needs to be at the table. Um, But to the extent that we can be the futurists of what's coming down the pike, being able to take a look at that and prepare for those opportunities, that's where the excitement really is.
0: Absolutely. So where can our listeners go for more information on the EDA?
1: Sure. Uh, Simple. Go to our website, eda.gov. And we have a newsletter as well so sign up for the newsletter so that you, not only are you um, getting the information of what we have funded but also get information of what's to come because I think that that those opportunities are important uh, especially as we think about not just equity but as we think about you know technology innovation and, and looking at those businesses of the future so Eda.gov is the place to go.
0: Thank you. Well, Ms. Castillo, you've been an excellent guest. You have expanded all of our minds and told us more about the EDA than we did realize that we didn't know. You've been a great guest. I really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you. It's always a pleasure to, to talk about economic development and congratulations again. I love the fact that you've created this space for individuals like myself to just get a little wonky, but also <laughs> to highlight the beauty of what it means to to do comprehensive economic development.